Shalom Lechem Rabbi Say. As we advance in Sefer Shmais, this week we'll be reading Parshas B'Shalach. Now, after we spoke about last week, Klai Yisrael going out of Mitzrayim, 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 that they went out, Miyad Chazako, Vazari Natuya, we saw the Yad Hashem's outstretched hand and took them out of Mitzrayim after seeing the Makos of that we divide up into three categories. We say the Agada, the Tzach, Hadash, Ba'achav, which is down to the Akinim, the Arv, Dever, Shrin, Bard, Arv, Bechayshech, Bechayres, Makis, Bechayres. Now the Surah Magdashim explained that those three st- stages of the Makis were trying to represent three different things. The Tzach, the first three makas were coming to identify the idea of Matthias Hashem, Hashem's existence in the world. Adash was coming to clarify to and show the world that not only is there Hashem's existence inside the world, but there's Hashkacha Pratis. Hakosh Bahu is involved in every single thing that happens inside the world as well. And Bachav is to show Klai Yisrael Einoid There's no other Kayach that dictates and and orchestrates everything that happens inside the world. Everything works through Hashem and only Hashem. But now Klai Yisrael had to be able to become accustomed to this um, idea of understanding that everything that they have is completely from Hashem. And that's where they have to yearn to and turn to and to trust and have their emunah that everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When they come to Kriyas Yamsuf, where, they, where, they're, where they're following Moshe Rabbeinu and they come to the Yam, Yamsuf and they, here they have to make that clear uh, jump into Yamsuf <coughs> and to be able to be Sonich and to realize that Tosh Baruch is going to save them that Nachshim and Aminadah when he walked in into the Yam up to his nostrils and then the Yam was able to split for Klai Yisrael to be clear and to be sure that they can rest upon Tosh Baruch uh, uh, and trust Tosh Baruch for all their safety. Then they also became accustomed with the man, that their food would be coming to them on a daily basis, exactly what they need, and not have to worry about, you shouldn't have to worry about having to go to go get more, to get, but you'll get exactly what you have to have, and do nicely covered, and on Ufa Shabbos, to get to Bachemishna, to get the double portions, they shouldn't have to go out on Shabbos, and that was a way of them just understanding don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. You're accustomed now to be going now with the Ananya Kavod, which, which will protect them. And throughout the next few parishes, there are different challenges that they wind up being tested to see if we realize that Akash Bokhu is the one that's taking care of us. One of them that happened right, was find right after the parish of the Man, where they, where, they, uh, where, they, where they had a problem, there was no water. And Kaisal got very, very uh, nervous about that. The, the, the whole nation became very thirsty, the mind for water. Everyone started to complain to Moshe. Why did you take us out of Mitzrayim? To go, let us all die with our children and our cattle in this, uh, you know, being from thirst. Why did you take us out? What should I do with this nation? Moshe cried out to Hashem. Now, 
you go and you take the mat that you took from Adam Mitzrayim, and he let him show Klaus so that there's going to be an ace, that there's going to be water that's going to come out for them. Now, afterwards, the Torah tells us right afterwards, it says, the place was called the place of fighting and fighting. I'll live in Israel with Klaus making a fuss and fighting. I'll testing. Hashem by saying, Hashem They were questioning Hashem's existence. Look, we don't have any water over here. What, what happened? Hashem's not taking care of us. And right after that came the whole story with Amalek. Came Amalek, and they came to fight with Kai Yisrael. Amalek is our arch enemy throughout all the generations that is there to try to be able to take us away from our my identity and try to be able to wipe out our Kedusha. So now why did Amalek come? So Rashi says over here that some of Parashazu, the Mikrazet, we put this story with Amalek next to the whole story of where they had the problem with the water that they started to, to ask him, is Hashem here? So Don't worry, Klaisra, I'm always here for everything that you need and anything, you know, just to, I'm always ready to give you whatever you need. Now you're saying such a thing is the God amongst us or that? I'm going to send the dog out after you and then you're going to start giving me out looking for me and you'll find me. You know that I'm here. Actually, means a marshal, the person that's walking with his son in the, in the street, and he has his son riding on his shoulders. He sees like an object, a toy on the floor. He says to his father, Abba, don't Can you go bend down and give me that, that object to give to me? He picks up the object and gives it to his son. He sees a second thing, he says, the third thing, you know, Abba can have a drink from there, Abba can have this, and the father gives it to him. Eventually, when they're walking, they meet up with somebody on the street, and that child says to the person, he says, Abba, tell me, did you see your father? I'm looking for my father, I don't know where my father is. You don't know where I am? I've been giving you all these things all along, taking care of you, you don't know where I am? Came along with, he put him off his shoulders, and then came a dog and, and bit him. Same thing over here. Chayisor is being taken care of. and going out of Mitzrayim and the man, and now and now you're asking questions. You don't have the water. You should be, it should be clear to you that I'm taking care of you. Don't worry. And he asked Gaiyesh Hashem Berkebeinu, Hashem is amongst us. Ah, the kelv, I'll send you off, and the kelv will come after. That's a malik, and and then you'll realize how how much I'm with you. Now, after Amalek comes out to fight with them, so Moshe Rabbeinu, Vayama Moshe El Yeshua, so Moshe Rabbeinu called to his Talmud Muvak, his, his loyal Talmud, and he told him, Bechailanu Anashim, Betzayin, Hilachim Amalek. Go choose people, to go with you and fight against Amalek, Machar, tomorrow, Anachilitza Oresh, Agiva, I'll go up on top of the mountain, Umata Lekim Biyadi. Now I have the staff of Hashem in my hand, and we know that Yeshua ran out to war, and Moshe Rabbeinu stood up there with Aaron, his brother, and his nephew, 
they were standing there and he was holding up his hands to make sure as long as my Shabbat's hands were up, uh, being held up high, then Yeshua was being matzliach, the fighting against the Amalekim. And as, when, when his hands would, would start to weaken, it would be would be a sakana for Yeshua to be matzliach. They were making, Aaron and were making sure to keep him, <coughs> to keep his hands up. Now, what exactly was the whole idea with Moshe Rabbeinu's hands being up and down? Maybe we'll leave that for now. Maybe there's something we'll talk about before Purim or a different time. But why, what's the pshat that Moshe Rabbeinu picked Yeshua? Okay, we understand that Yeshua was his Talmud Mubak. But why did he pick Yeshua specifically to be the one to fight? So the Medrash asked this question. The Medrash Rabbah at the end of the parasha, Go pick people. Asked the Medrash, why, why was it Yeshua? So he was going to be the one that was going to his his that's going to take over for Klal Yisrael. So he wanted to get them accustomed to being able to fight Muhammad because he's going to be the one that's going to bring Klal Yisrael into Eretz Yisrael. That's one pshat. What's another pshat? Why he picked Yeshua to be the one to fight? Your forefathers, right? We know that Yeshua came from Ephraim. That's why when Yosef gave the brother the brachas to Menashe and Ephraim, so even though Menashe was the Bechor and, and Ephraim was the younger son, but still Yaakov you know, put his right hand on the head of Ephraim because Yeshua was going to come out from Ephraim, who was going to be the leader of Klai Yisrael. So Yeshua came from Yosef. Your forefathers, your forefathers, they went down to Mitzrayim, right? Yosef went down to Mitzrayim. Eventually, the rest of Christ came. So you're going to be the one, a descendant that comes from Yosef, you'll be the one to be there to fight with the one that's that's coming after Yisrael when they're trying to go out of Mitzrayim. Since you were, your forefathers were there with going out to Mitzrayim, You'll be the one that's successful to fight against them, <coughs> fight against the people who are preventing them from going out of Mitzrayim. Right. Yeshua, why do we pick Yeshua to be the one to fight? Your forefathers, referring to Yosef, said that Hashem, I, I fear, God, I fear. It says when they came after. To fight in when the Pasuk talks about this whole story that happened now, you have to remember what Amalek did to you. It mentions that Amalek was a nation that didn't fear God. So you come from you know, Yosef, who fears God, and, and, and therefore you'll, you'll be able to fight against Amalek who didn't fear God. You come the grandchild of the one that says that I fear God. And he'll be able to, to, to even out the score with the one that's saying that, that they don't fear God, which is Amalek. What is it referring to where Yosef Hasadik said that he, he fears God? So, first of all, why does it have to be specifically somebody who comes from Yosef that says that he fears God to be able to go against Amalek who said that they don't fear God? What's the pshat? So, the Dugna Magid brings a famous marshal that answers the question. He brings a marshal, that of two brothers. One was very rich and one was very poor. 
right? And they were close. They were very, very close with each other. The rich brother was very matzliach. He felt bad for his brother who was poor. So when he, he had a certain arrangement with him. He would buy new suits all the time from the tailor, from the, from the manufacturers, and he would wear it just a few times. And then after he wore it one or two, three times, he would give it over to his brother who didn't have money to buy clothing. That way his brother had clothing as well. And his brother was happy to have it. But every every now and then, his brother would come to, you know, the poor brother would come to the rich brother. And he would say, you know, could you, you know, do you have any extra clothes? I can use something. My, my stuff is worn out. And the brother would happily give it to him. Happily give it to him. After a while, he got a little bit frustrated. Like, why can't his brother take care of his clothing? Why is he all the time? He comes to get, get things over here. Like, what's going on? So one time when his brother came to ask for clothing, he knocked on the door. He goes, yeah, well, what can I do for you? Because, well, yeah, my suit's worn out, and I can use a, a new suit right now. So he said, you know, I don't understand. Why can't you take care of your clothing? In other words, I have clothing. I can take care of it. You know, I take care of it. So I think I just gave you a new suit not too long ago. So, you know, so the poor brother says, you know, that's very nice of you. You don't give me a new suit. You give me a suit that you wore a couple of times, and then it gets worn out a little bit, then I wear it, and then, then it gets ruined. If I have a new suit like you have, it'll be fine. So he said, I, I respect that argument. You know what? Let's go. I'm going to take you to the same tailor that I get my suits from, and we'll get two brand new suits together, and we'll wear it the same amount of time. And if you're right, let's see if you're right. That, I'll start giving you new suits if that's going to be the thing that, that'll help the situation. She was great. So they go to the tailor, and they get the two new suits made. And uh, both brothers are happy, he's, you know, the, he's, he's giving him a nice new suit, but he's happy to get a nice new suit, he's going to take care of it, everything's great. And sure enough, after a short while, there's a knock on the door, and he says, what's the matter, I need a new suit. He goes, you see, <laughs> I bought you a new suit, I'm still wearing this one over here, why can't you take care of it? So he said, listen, that's the, that's just the way how a poor person looks, that's the identity of a poor person. A poor person has to walk around with ragged clothes that's that's just not how it goes. I can't help it. So the rich brother wasn't wasn't happy with that answer. He said, "Okay, well, you know, we'll talk about it." Not not too long after that, there was a family simcha which they had. They both met by the simcha. And, you know, they happened to see each other. They're sitting over there. Now at the at the chasana at the simcha, there was a batchen. Batchen sometimes acts out different things, make different type of skits and different type of things. Even some people at the at the chasana. So they had some type of a skit, and the batchin was acting out and pretending to be a poor person that was was collecting money, a poor person, and he was doing a very good job, and everybody was, you know, he was doing masamech, everybody at the, at the, at the chasana, and at one point the wealthy brother comes over to the brother that that's uh, that's struggling. He says to him, "Take a look at the batchin here." He's wearing the most beautiful suit, and he's acting out to be like a poor person. And it doesn't take away from the fact that that he has something decent that that he's wearing that's looking nice. That to, to take away from his identity to be poor, just because a person is poor doesn't mean his clothing has to be ragged, and he doesn't have to take care of his clothing. That was the answer that the rich brother gave to the poor brother. So the little magnet says like this. He says, you know, in Pasha's indicates. Well, the brothers came down to Mitzrayim to go get food for, 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 you know, for Yaakov and whoever was left in Eretz Israel. So they came down to Mitzrayim. They knew that Yosef 
was somewhere, they didn't know where he was, but they came down to Mitzrayim, and Yosef recognized them the minute that they came down. He recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. Now, Yosef Fatadik was going to meet up with his brothers now, and he wanted to make it very clear to them that he's not Yosef. And he had to be very careful that they shouldn't catch on. So he said, this is the brother. And even though they said, the reason why they didn't recognize him because he grew, he grew a beard, and they, and they didn't see that beforehand. But Lamaisa, he had to be very, very careful that they shouldn't pick up who he is. And he comes and he makes all types of accusations against them, that they're miraculous, that they're spies, and, and you, you came here to check, you know, to check out the land and to try to build. And then they said, no, we're <coughs> 12, 12 sons from, uh, 12 brothers from, from, uh, you know, a person, and one of our brothers is not here, and, and the other one, you know, is, is, is with our, is with, is with our father at home. And Jesus says to them, you know what? I'm telling you, you're spies, right? And this will be able to test to see if you're spies or not, right? Let's do like this. You send one of your brothers back to Mitzrayim and back to Israel and to go bring back your younger brother. And I'm going to lock all you up over here. And he them up for three days. Then after three days, he, tell, he tells them, listen, right? He says to them, Yosef said to them on the third day, This is what you should do, and you'll be able to, to stay alive, and I won't, you know, I won't hurt you. I fear God. If it's true, like you're saying, let me lock up one of your brothers over here, and she took Shimon. When you want to come back, bring your younger brother to me. So he gives all these instructions to them and he turns them back to them. And that's what they did. They went back and should have stayed over there. But before he even told them to do anything, Yosef makes the point of saying, I fear God. Now that was a very tricky line for Yosef to say. Because Yosef was trying very, very hard at that point to go ahead and let them think that he was a full-fledged mitzri, and anything that would give away that possibly he's not a myth, that he's that he might be a Jew, they might detect. Hey, this, there's something here. Maybe they could figure out that it's Yosef. And he didn't want to, he didn't want them to know yet that it was Yosef that he was Yosef right at this point. So now, if he wanted to make it so clear that they shouldn't catch him, then why would he mention God's name? Why would you mention God's name? That's risking that 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 they're going to figure out who he is. Here, Yosef taught us a, a lesson over here that even if a person's not keeping the Torah, even if a person's not living his life with the Torah, doesn't mean that he has to deny the existence of God. And even if he's not trying to fly Israel, doesn't mean that he has to deny the existence of God. And therefore, Yosef was the antith- the opposite of what Amalek was all about. Amalek was the Reish Kala Amin, but they symbolized and they, they, they gave the example to the world. And so they came and they, they didn't, they didn't fear God. They, they, they tried to make the, um, the world think that everything that happens in the world is just by coincidence, just by nature, just by chance, and nothing to do with God. And that, why? We're, we're not part of the Jewish nation. We don't have to believe in God. 
on that, Yosef was the example then to tell them, just because you don't, you're not, the, the Torah wasn't given to you, just because you're not part of Christ, well, doesn't mean you have to deny the existence of God. So that's why it had to be somebody who was the descendant of Yosef, Yeshua, who, who, who Yeshua, Yosef instilled into his children and into Yisrael the awareness of the of, of the Hashem runs the world and fearing Hashem, he'll have the kayak to be able to fight against <coughs> against Amalek, which tries to play down and to uh, to avoid the existence of God. What do you learn from this? You know. We see from here something so important, how much we have to work on the Yerushalayim and to realize and to identify the Ashkacha Pratis and Akash Baruch involvement inside the world. You know, sometimes we get pressure because we, you know, we have to make, we have to make a living, we have to make a panasa, we have to be able to deal with, with all the different uh, people that exist inside the world. But sometimes we feel that we, we can forfeit some of our Yiddish kind of forfeit some of our standards in order to keep peace with the, uh, no, a person has to stand with his Yer Shemayim all the way through. And if he stands with his Yer Shemayim all the way through, Akash Baruch is going to take care of everything from him. He's not going to have to worry about it. The sincerity and the clarity of believing in Hashem, that helps a person. You know, I remember my father used to tell us a story when we were children that before he got married, so maybe right when he got married, so he he knew how to cook a little bit. So he took a, a course in a, in a uh, you know, culinary school to teach him how to be able to cater. And he did that for a little while. He was cooking for my uncle at a catering hall, and he cooked for my uncle at his catering hall. And he was taking, you know, classes to cook in a, in a school. But the one who ran the the, the organization was that wasn't, I'm not sure if they were Jewish, or they, they definitely weren't from. And he was there, and it came Rosh Hashanah time. And my father came over to the to the uh, head of the class and said, "I'm sorry, but I'm an observant Jew and I can't be here for 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 the high holidays." Is it okay if I can make up the class short and we'll have a happy have a happy holiday and go way back and make it up? No problem. And there was another guy in the class over there who who went over to the teacher and he said he said to him, "He goes, you know, I have, it's a high holidays. Can I please get off?" He goes, "No, you got to come in. Otherwise, you're going to fail the class." He said, would you let him go? He said, yeah, because he walks around with his yarmulke on top of his head, and he's proud to be a Jew and to declare the existence of God. So I see the sincerity in that. So he, of course I'm going to let him go. But you're playing the game over here. In other words, we don't have to worry about what's going to happen. We just, we just have to realize that the existence of a Kodesh Baruch he takes care of everything. And so the Kim and the Yorik. And when a person instills that inside himself, instills that inside his family, and that gives them the kayak to be able to ride through the different uh, occurrences, the different challenges that we have. Ritz Hashem, we should all be able to instill in ourselves and inside our families that year of Shemayim. And would that be able to come to grow and turn your Shemayim and, and reach higher and greater places in our, and, and be able to maximize and come to where we're able to come. Everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos and go.